0: Bad, bad addict. Um, Every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs.
1: I've been to prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the feds. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict, and my hope was found in a needle. months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't Freeway that saved me, it wasn't John Stroop that saved me, but God uses Freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem, and the, the church has the answer, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, welcome to One Broken Life. My name is John Stroop. I have a special guest with us today, my good friend and my sister uh, in Christ, Hannah Gonzalez. Hannah, welcome.
0: Thank you, John.
1: It's good to be with you today. And and if you haven't watched us before or listened to us online, um, I just want to explain who we are. One Broken Life is a production of Freeway Ministries. What we do is we explore these unique people who God has taken from the pit uh, from the pit, unto the, from the dope house to the church house, and literally um, the, their lives have been transformed by the gospel and through Jesus Christ. And I just think it's very interesting, uh, as we get into people's lives, um, you don't hear about the, the positive impact to radically change uh, someone who was a drug addict. Um, we don't hear about the positive impact that they make in society. What you hear about is the negative impact that drugs and crime... Um, makes in our communities, and so as we find these people and explore their lives, who God has radically transformed, who's making a huge dent for Jesus, I just think it's it's important for us to share the stories. And Hannah, you've got one of those stories, um, and I believe sometimes. And now you don't have to have a a um, crazy war story past to have a radical, awesome testimony, right? My son is 14. I got him when he was got custody of him when he's two and a half. He's never seen drugs he's you know his testimony is not my testimony your testimony he's a teenager now and he is you know as innocent as they can be right i mean no one's innocent but but he's still got a testimony but um i believe sometimes bigger the, the bigger the mess the bigger the message and you had a great mess and god turns your great big mess into a beautiful beautiful message and i'm proud of you and i'm honored to have you here with us today hannah thank you for joining us um one of the theme verses for this podcast is Psalms 51.17. And Psalms 51.17 says, A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And God finds those broken people, and He makes them into, He transforms them into these people who, who He just uses for His glory. And, uh, and that's what He's done with you. And I've, I've just been able to watch that from the side and be a cheerleader for you, and uh, continue to cheer you on. And so let's just kind of wade through your life here, Anna. Um, Will you tell the people, just in five minutes if you can, uh, what was it like growing up for you?
0: For me, growing up, um, it was uh, mostly just me and my mom. She divorced my dad um, at a young age, or whenever I was still really young. Um, I didn't meet my dad till I was 15, so... she worked a lot. She uh, she tried to, um, you know, always kept food on the table and worked two jobs. Went to college while, while um, my grandparents helped raise me too, and they they poured love into me. I mean, they really uh, tried hard to, to raise me right. I come from a good family. My mom and my grandparents are, are really really amazing people, and and they loved me a lot, you know, and. Um, so we we were. I was born in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and when my mom and dad divorced, uh, she moved back to Jeff City, where my grandparents lived, and um, on St. Louis Road, right by Daisy Delight. If anybody's from Jeff City, they would know where that is. And yep, uh, little apartments right there. And um, and she she really tried hard to, to build a life for for me, uh, from nothing. And um, she she really succeeded and showed me how to. Since I'm a single mom now, the kind of the ropes of how to do that, you know. And, um, but she, she really um, she really did the best, you know.
1: Yeah. And so for those who, who don't know, what did your mom do for a living?
0: My mom eventually became the head of the probation and parole, so she was uh, she was intense. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Mom, the probation officer, and yeah. then head of the parole, probation mm-hmm. and parole officer. And there's yeah. there's people listening right now that don't understand how big of a deal that is yeah. to be someone that has a criminal background and uh, who is running with people who are committing crimes, that yeah. use drugs, and to know that who you're, you know, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that was hard on your mom. Yes. Yeah, so. uh, as you you know, did bad stuff and your name was ran and you, you know, broke probation and did all these things.
0: I'm uh, sure I embarrassed her, you know, a little bit. And, you know, she thought I was a criminal because I was and she's fighting on one side and I'm fighting on the other. And we clashed, yeah. <laughs> you know, we clashed. Um, even though she tried to love me through it. Uh, I was, I pushed away good, you know?
1: Yeah. And you were a rebel, you were a yeah. rebel Yeah. and uh, you were rebelling. And so, which is, we see that a lot, authority issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. that come, People come from our background. Um, so when did your drug use start, Hannah?
0: I hear stories that my mom said, like at 10 years old, that she would, uh, my, friend, her, my friend's parents would be bringing me home because I raided their liquor cabinet, you know. I was searching, but really at 13 and 14 is whenever I started to, to really venture out besides alcohol and smoking cigarettes. Um, that's whenever weed and cocaine and and you know just whatever we could get our hands on we were trying cocaine was always really what we were searching for and Yeah, um, but weed and just the gateway open things um, it, it really took a hold about then and then just escalated from that point on
1: and you say we
0: oh all my friends like me and all of my friends, we, yeah. we were all into it, and and just the things that come along with that—running with older people and boys, and just you know, kind of wanting to be cool and and you know, skip school and that kind of stuff—it comes along with with smoking pot and and doing drugs and.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, you start at 13 years old. You're drinking and smoking weed first most likely mm-hmm. and then you jumped into cocaine and the harder narcotics mm-hmm. which i believe marijuana is a gateway drug yeah uh, everybody i know that's that's done that's been in, in no offense to anyone but i feel like i can say this because i was one i was a junkie mm-hmm. and uh if you've not been a junkie that may be offensive but since <laughs> i have been don't be offended by me saying that uh you know but i was a junkie and and every junkie I knew started with drinking and smoking weed. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was the same way for you and many others that have been on this podcast. So how long have you been sober right now?
0: Almost seven years. Next, on the 27th, will be seven seven amazing years.
1: So at 13, you started using drugs. Mm-hmm. Can I ask how old you are today?
0: I will be, I'm 39.
1: 39. And so I talked about your age earlier in a mm-hmm. negative way, just messing yeah. with you. And I'm way older than you. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, forgive me for that. But uh, <laughs> so you've been clean for seven years. So you started when you were 13 years old and you were just searching. You were getting in bondage. You were mm-hmm. wanting to be accepted, looking for a way out. You were hurting girl and rebelling against your mom. And so, and then you, you used drugs pretty much your whole life until you were.
0: 33, 33, until I got down here.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so let's talk about what brought you to your broken place.
0: Well, you know, take, I had take as much time yeah. as you want. You know, I had incidences, um, you know, all throughout my life. I had multiple DWIs. I had, uh, you know, arrest and that kind of stuff. But really, um, I, I had dabbled in heroin and that kind of stuff but whenever heroin got a hold of my life that's really whenever my downfall happened and i lost lost my family for the first time and uh had a really bad experience and this one bad experience really kind of um i know that my that's what i hung on to you know i i met some guys that i thought were nice and they weren't and they they kidnapped me and they told me that they shot me up with hiv they they had my ex-husband pay for me back and, and rape me. And I held on to this hatred for these people. And it, it the next three years was just this hatred that I held on to them, you know, and I wanted to hurt them. And, um, you know, and so at that point, I mean, the drugs that I had used throughout my whole life and, and through with my marriage and everything um, – just escalated ten times. You know, there just wasn't enough after that. The depression that I had, and the guilt and the shame that I had, um, there just was nothing that could cover it up. And so, I I went from working at a number one hair salon in Columbia um, to to being homeless. I I saw an escort site on on a, uh, the computer on on a well known. A site and uh, whenever I called it, they came and picked me up, and I, I didn't even believe that places like this existed, you know. And I walked in. They, I mean, they came and picked me up, and I walked in, and that's where my life for the next two and a half, three years, really, um, really took hold, you know. And there was no going back after that. Even if I wanted to go home, I couldn't. Um, it was just too deep, you know. It was too dark, and so I I pretty much just became a prostitute and, um, and lived a life of just brokenness. It was brokenness. I, I numbed it with all the crack and, and alcohol, you know, and tried to muscle through it. Um, there was a lot of violence, there was a lot of bad people and, uh, it was, it was dark, you know, there was, there was not, um, there was no light, <laughs> you know, um, and then, I had my, my ex-boyfriend got out of prison, and, and I was able to move from Columbia to Jeff City, and that's where where um, I heard about you, and uh, how, how God had changed your life, and um, I, I needed to see that. <laughs> I, I was looking for a life change, and um, so it was pretty amazing to hear that somebody else had changed, you know, coming from the same exact house that I was living in, and hearing that you had changed, um, I just couldn't believe it you know i had never seen anybody really change and do good for a good amount of time i'd seen people maybe do it for a minute and then go back you know and they always went back and so to hear somebody who who really i knew the stories i had heard you know and to to be looking up on 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 youtube and seeing you preach you know um was pretty amazing and so one day whenever Whenever my, my ex-boyfriend called you, you know, he was weeping and he said, you know, he's praying for us, Hannah. He's praying for all the drug dealers and drug addicts. And it was just starting to to realize like I need a change, you know, and it was it was pretty broken there. I was in a very, very dark spot that I didn't even know how it it got there. I mean, I was just I would look in the mirror and I wouldn't even know who that was, you know. And, um, we ended up getting in more trouble and, um, I knew that the law was coming. I knew that I was alone and, um, I needed, I needed a different way because I had tried, I had tried every avenue to get clean, to get sober. And I needed, uh, I needed a real one, you know?
1: Yeah. So that was, <clears throat> that boyfriend, uh, was a childhood friend of mine and, uh, I had no idea you were there. I had no Mm -hmm. idea he had anyone with him. Uh, I'd been praying for him for a long time, and I still pray for him. And the last time I seen that guy, uh, we were in prison. And I seen him walking with my nephew, who was also in prison. And I was going to the chapel. I'd gotten saved, and I was walking with the Lord. And uh, best I knew how, you know. And uh, I was going to every church service I could. And so I was going into that chapel, and I seen him and my nephew walking together i said you guys need to come in here you know you need to come with me and hear the word and and uh, he laughed at me and uh, mocked me pretty much mm-hmm. and i ain't, i'm not gonna listen to that you know crap and um and that was the last time i seen him to this day and that was in 2008 and so i'd been praying for him a long time and a guy came into our program named chris who's dead now who overdosed and chris dated his sister and uh chris gave her my number who in turn gave it to him and that's how he contacted me so when he called me that night uh, i was you know i was tired it was late and um and i seen 573 which is the area code where we're from jeff city mm-hmm. and i answered it and it was him and he was crying and you know and and i just shared the gospel with him and prayed for him and I wanted him to be saved, so I, I did everything I could to let him know how you can come to Christ without giving him some kind of manipulative situation where he'd just say a prayer to, for me. You know, I wanted him to hear the gospel, repent, come under conviction. And so I, I prayed for him, and little did I know that God, the person God wanted to reach from that house wasn't him. It was you. And so when you called from his number, see... I don't know if I told you the story, but, you know, his mom and dad enabled him really bad his whole life. They're both dead now. And uh, they let me live with them when I was homeless. I was homeless in my 20s without a mom and dad, strung out, no way to cope, no kind of life skills. And uh, they took me in and let me live in that same basement you lived in. And uh, I felt like I had some, a sense of loyalty to them for that. and uh, And so his dad called me. Because I started calling him and checking on him after that. And I would see how he's doing, just trying to get him to change. And uh, hopefully he would come to Springfield, move in, in the perfect world, move into the men's house, our discipleship house. And then, we, you know, his life would be changed, you know, and all that. And um, so I would call him and he'd be What are you doing, driving, driving here? I was like, well, you ain't got a license. What are you driving for? You know, you're going to go to jail. You know what I mean? And one day the phone rang and it was his number. And I answered it and it was his dad. And his dad said they got Jason. So then it rang a, a later on, and it was the same number, and it was you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, who are you? You know, what are you doing with this phone? And you explained that you'd been listening. And you, how did you get the? How did you get my phone number?
0: It was well. I think that was my phone that they were oh, okay. <laughs> using, but it had been saved. Um, he had saved it in my phone, and. Um, and so, yep, yeah, but I, I had been listening, and, and he, uh, he just talked you up, you know, and just said, like, you know, he's, he's a man of God and, uh, you know, and that kind of stuff. And um, really, I could see that he wanted change, but he just didn't. He wasn't there yet.
1: Yeah. So when you called, uh, I had had my wife talk with you, and I had Sherry Lechner talk with you. And I remember meeting, I had my friend Dan, Dan Bashir's big <laughs> yeah. shout out to Dan yeah. Uh He lived in Columbia, and he said, I'll go get her. Yeah. Me and my son, i go pick her up, because I need somebody to go get you and bring you to treatment. And uh, i remember I'll never forget when him and his son rolled up. I, I think I took you guys to McDonald's and got you something to eat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had them follow me to the treatment center. And, uh, and then so you entered the treatment center, right? And you're here in Springfield. What did you have to your name?
0: Well, Dan gave me a twenty dollar bill, um, and I had my Bible. I had hope. That's that's all I had. Was I was I knew that I was leaving um, whatever I just came from behind, and I wasn't looking back. And uh, that's all I had. <laughs> I really didn't have much, but I had I had Jesus that I was hoping to to learn more about. You know, I I didn't get to meet him yet, but um, I did, I didn't, I did know that it was, it had to be something better this way.
1: So you go to the treatment center. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. (laughs) Let's hear about your salvation testimony. Like when did you get saved? How did that work out?
0: So I got to the treatment center and I was still a mess. Um, I, I hadn't used drugs for the first few days before that, but I had not slept And so my mind was playing tricks on me and uh, telling me to run, really telling me to run. And like I was kind of it was just it was really just mind tricks, like trying to get me to leave and just get out of here, you know. Um, and so I got here on a Friday and on Saturday was freeway. And here comes this, uh, old beat up gray looking bus. Like I did a van and, uh, I was like, what in the world is this? It was beat up. And, um, it was a men's house. It van. was, it was bad. It was a big but Dodge. It, yeah, it was. I was like, is this really going to church? <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't know if this was really where it was going. Yeah. And, uh, I got in and, um, Man, I got to this amazing old rundown building, and um, whenever I went in, uh, I I sat down and I, I heard the gospel. I heard, um, you know, anybody could have told me I was terrible, but whenever I heard what Jesus did for my horrible sins, and I mean, they were just, I, I felt like I was the woman uh, in Revelation with sins all the way up to the heavens, you know, and um He pierced my heart, you know, and I realized how horrible and how how my sins have affected everyone, and how I needed a Savior. I realized right then and there if I was ever going to quit anything or have any type of life, um, or eternity. Um, I needed, I needed Jesus. And uh, that night I went down and I cried out and asked him to forgive me, to save me, to change me, that I worked my whole life for the devil. And I wanted to work the rest of my life for Jesus, you know, and, and I got up a different person (laughs) and it it amazes me today. Still amazes me.
1: Amen. So you came to Christ. Yes. And then uh, you went back to the treatment center. Yes. So we used to have a, we used to have a partnership where we could pick the treatment centers up and COVID happened and kind of put a damper on that and i'm working hard trying mm-hmm. to get that back one but,
0: day
1: uh, so anyways a lot of people got saved from that treatment center and gave mm-hmm. their life to jesus and so let's so here you are you're a christian you give your life to christ you're in a treatment center brand new mm-hmm. right and you are so brand new and so amazed by the lord that i had that I, the director called me and said hey i think she's <laughs> using drugs are going crazy over here and I had yeah. to go over there and talk to you yeah. and say, "Are you okay? You, you know, is there a mental illness I need to know about?" And you were like, "Jesus is everywhere. He's in the clouds, and he's in the sky, and he's uh, in the plants." Yeah. And and you were just saved mm-hmm. and happy about it. Yes. And they didn't know what to do with you over there, but um, <laughs> but you have this past to clean up. Mm-hmm. You've got kids that you hadn't seen. You got an ex, not an ex husband. Were you still married at the mm-hmm. time? You're still married. You got a husband that. You hadn't seen in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable talking about that at all? Yeah. Okay. And so um, so one of the things that just blew me away I'll never forget is when you told me about the answer machine, mm-hmm. Freddie's answer machine. And so what would happen when you called Freddie's answer machine?
0: It would say, if this is Hannah, you can still come home. But at the that point in my life um, – I was around people that I just couldn't go back home. There was no way to go back. And and I was so far in my addiction and um, and just the lifestyle I was living that there was no way I could do that. Um, You know, he was uh, really good at saving me, you know, and um, I'm I'm thankful that he didn't um, because I would have never came to the Lord. Uh, Even though it it did break up our family and all of that. But my family was broken, (laughs) you know. Um, But God has, um, God God used him not saving me to bring me down here. And uh, it it really, I'm thankful for that.
1: I mean, he paid your ransom Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to men who kidnapped you and abused you
0: and a lot more than that. Yeah. I mean, he, he went through the ringer with me. Um, he, he tried really hard to, to make it, you know, and he picked me up, uh, many times. I mean, in Kansas city, he picked me up and I mean, just all over the place. I, 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 you know, there's, he said, it's not funny, but like whenever I don't answer around Christmas or things like that, he still has PTSD from it, you know, cause it, it does affect people. It affect, it affected him, you know?
1: Yeah, and he sees you now. And mm-hmm. so less, how long had it been since you've seen your kids, Hannah?
0: Almost three. I mean, from a dist- like three years. Three years. Yeah.
1: And then when you did see him, it wasn't really good, right? Yeah. And so I know they're your kids, mm-hmm. and um, they're teenagers, yep. football, cheerleading, you know, sports and all that. And um, and so I don't want to get too far ahead. So now you got... This, these kids you haven't seen, you got an ex-husband who probably doesn't even know where you're at, mm-hmm. and you're in a treatment center, and so um, you get out of the treatment center, you end up coming into the woman's house. Mm-hmm. So what was that experience like? And I'm just shooting off the cuff, I'm yeah. going to look at my notes. Yeah. So what, what was that like? I mean... Entering the women's house, we, you've got this structure you got to live by. Now you come from this prostitution, heroin. Was you an IV user? Mm-hmm. IV, I, IV crack, crack, all the time,
0: alcohol, alcohol,
1: not. just criminal lifestyle. You mm-hmm. were a criminal.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, what was it like transitioning into the women's house? We had structure, and you had to, you know, you had these certain rules you had to live by.
0: Well, I remember you asking mm-hmm. me one time, "Do you do well with authority?" And I thought man, nobody has ever asked me that question. That was before I got down here. Um, you know, but I was ready for it, and I needed it, and I was ready to do whatever it took. Um, it, it almost felt like it was – I mean, I, I know that with the leadership that Charlotte and you gave me, um, it was easy to, to, to follow because I wanted what she had. I knew she walked the same way I did before, had the same lifestyle. I'm not – all the way, but drugs and Depravity. all that kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of that. And she has this life that just glorified God. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a life. I wanted my kids back. I wanted a life that, that could honor God. And, and, um, and she, she walked me through that, you know, and it was so amazing getting to be the first woman to go in there. We went and jumped on the bed and it was just nice to have a real bed, <laughs> you yeah. know, that Amen. kind of stuff. And, and have your own bed. Yeah. A clean bed. Yep a nice beautiful bed with a ceiling fan above and a bathroom and it was just it was incredible you know
1: that's amazing Mm -hmm. that's beautiful and then so let's talk about your job okay so you started working at a deli
0: (laughs) no i didn't work at the okay
1: you didn't No, you just hung out there
0: (laughs) before my job would open yeah i Gracie had a deli that was right across the street from my job, and so the bus would come at like six in the morning, and and I would want to go get on the bus as quickly as I could and um, go hang out at Gracie's deli and read my Bible over there. And it was before before I had keys to get into the shop, and it opened up at ten, so it would give me many hours to be able to read my Bible and. Um, you know, to spend time with Gracie. And it was... It Did Melissa
1: work there too?
0: She worked there a little bit. There's been a, quite a few. Uh, okay. Gracie, Gracie uh, poured into people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And so for those that don't know, uh, in our women's home, mm-hmm. in men's home, you have to put five job applications in a day to get a job. You take the city bus, you look for work. Um, that is structure I lived by in the homeless shelter when I got out of prison Mm -hmm. in 2009 at the Harbor House Salvation Army I had a goal every day before lunch because we fed the homeless people at lunch and I had to be there it's called frontline feeding it used to be I don't know what they call it now so I would make it a goal to get out of that shelter get on the bus and put five job applications in a day and then get back for frontline feeding Mm -hmm. to feed people and so because you had to do that to live in the house and the shelter and so we implemented that in our program and so you would get up at 6 a.m mm-hmm. and then you would ride the city bus and you ended up getting a job
0: well i put in 75 resumés i put in a lot of resumes um i remember you asking me well what are you going to do hannah and i said well you're the only person i know i do hair uh, but it's really hard to make money not knowing anybody in hair in the hair business and I went and put in 75 resumes, riding that bus, stopping it, going to the Career Center multiple times a day, um, and not one phone call back. Not one. I couldn't believe it. I had never had that problem. And so I was like, I'm going to go do hair. And th- I'm thankful that my ex-husband kept um, my my hair license up for me while I was going amok. And... Um, so I was able to do that, and that is actually I did bring my shears down. I forgot I did bring my shears and that, uh, Dan's twenty dollars, and that's all I had. Um, you but, had your
1: shears and twenty dollars. Yep,
0: I did. I, I and I actually like had them like on the side of the road. I said, "You got to stop. I got to pick this stuff up," and it, it had my shears in it. And uh, I'm on so on the thing. side of the road. Well, not on the side of the, side of the house.
1: You had your stuff hid on the side yeah. of the house. How come?
0: Well, because some people didn't want me to leave. And, uh, so I, I put it outside before I left to come down here uh, the night before around three in the morning. And, uh, so I could get out. So you, know. you
1: had to pretty much escape.
0: Well, yeah, a little bit. People weren't very happy. <laughs>
1: they were all mad at me too. I don't yeah. know if you knew that yeah. or not. Yeah, they were. They were all.
0: You told me to tell them and I did. And yeah. I, sh- I knew I shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it's just it, being honest, yeah. right?
1: And so, yeah. so you hid your stuff on the side of the house when you came because you were kept in the basement pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And, and they didn't want you they wanted you to stay in that basement yeah
0: and yep they they didn't want me to leave and and so
1: so you got shears and you got a bible mm-hmm. and that's it
0: that uh, three, three terrible outfits that weren't considered outfits okay yep that's.
1: so you come up here and then so you you have your 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 hair I don't know what do you call beautician's license uh
0: cosmetology
1: cosmetology mm-hmm. so you and i think if i'm correct me if i'm wrong but didn't you create these resumes in the treatment center
0: yeah i mean i was i was the The bus, there's like a career bus that came to the treatment center to help get started. And so, yeah, I had a plan of action that I was going to do, but it it wasn't panning out for me. And uh, that $20 didn't last very long, so I needed a job. And so after putting in those resumes, I realized I want to do hair. I love doing hair. It's always been my passion. It's what I love to do. Um, And so I looked... Everybody said look on Craigslist, and I'm like, I don't want to look on Craigslist. But, yeah. But I did, and uh, uh, I saw an ad, and I went, and um, the minute I walked in, I knew that's where I was supposed to work, and I worked there for the last six years until they they just shut down after COVID. So, um, so
1: yeah. let me just cut you off on okay. acc- not on an accident, but oh, forgive you're me fine. Uh, for doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but you, I just want to touch on this. So you you get a job, Mm -hmm. right, at this hair salon, and you lied about your past. Didn't you lie?
0: Well, I didn't lie. I just never brought it up.
1: Okay, you never brought it up. Yep,
0: and they never asked.
1: They never (laughs) asked. Okay. So uh, let me ask you a personal question. Mm -hmm. Was there a question on there if you had a felony or not?
0: Nope, it was just my resume. Okay. (laughs) I didn't have to fill out that.
1: They found out, though.
0: They did, you know. um, So... Uh, about six weeks in they they took me into the back I I had to, I had to take off off um, Work for court and stuff and I just never said why I was taking off or anything and they about six weeks in they took me in the back and they said you know her and her husband sat me down and they're like how do you like working here and I said well I just love it and they said well we love you working here, too and they said um, We know that you have some very important court dates coming up and uh, we want you to know that you're not doing it alone. And they, they wrote me up a piece of paper that said that they found me trustworthy and that I could represent their business any day. And I mean, I was just taken back. I was going to court for, for felonies, for stealing, not years before, or I mean, it was like literally I, a month before I got, uh, was arrested for it, for felony stealings and credit card fraud and things like that. And they, they, they went out on a limb for me. You know, and most people would not, you know, and so it was pretty amazing that, that they they used um, God used them in such a beautiful way.
1: Yeah, and I remember that court mm-hmm. because I took you there, yeah, and you got arrested, yeah, and so uh, I think back on that, we couldn't find anyone to give you a ride to Jeff City, and I knew God's sovereign hand after mm-hmm. everything was done because you went to jail. And it was me and Chase, my uh, my son. And so we, we brought you to court, and uh, they arrested you, and they told me to leave you there. The, the people there did. And I said, well, I can't leave you. And so I'm not going to leave her here in Jeff City of all places by herself. And so freeway, we have a policy. We don't bomb people out of jail. We don't pay fines off. We just don't do that. So, And I'm not saying this to boast, but I called Charlotte, and I said, listen, we got to bond her out. And so we bonded you out and it took forever. And uh, you made such an impact on them people in that court, even though you had a warrant and they arrested you, they just couldn't believe who you were and you know, that you were the same person. You had already changed so much. And, um, and so you made such an impact on that business owner, her husband who uh, used to do sprinkler systems. Um, you can't see it because we're here, but we have $70,000 worth of sprinkler systems in this building that was done for free because of your testimony. Mm-hmm. And so I just want you to know that you've, you you are an investment that has paid off mm-hmm. so many times already. And so uh, just phenomenal. It's so cool. Um, anyways, and, and, you know, yeah, so that's about as far as I want to go with that. But have you been to treatment before?
0: Yeah. I went to treatment in Boonville, I went to Jeff City, I tried counseling, I tried, I've been to treatment, I, I tried it, um, you know, outpatient treatment also, right. um, multiple times.
1: Did you ever think you would change?
0: In the back of my head, I always had that little thing that, I mean, for a minute I wanted to, um, but then once I got there, I'd, it, would, it would never stick.
1: Where was the first place you served in the church?
0: served at
1: uh crossway freeway Freeway's not a church mm-hmm. but well, where's the place let's just change that question where's the place first place you served in ministry
0: um was at freeway and what did you do i well i rode the bus i did clothing mm-hmm. i um i like to roll silverware um also i think i even rolled silverware to help with my community service that i had and i sat with treatment that was where I served every, every Saturday night. I, I loved it. I wanted to spend my birthday there. I, I couldn't wait, you know. Um, yeah.
1: What's your dreams?
0: My dreams, well, right now, I just want to share Jesus with everyone is really what what my my ultimate dream is. Um, but uh, also, you know, raise, keep on raising my family, finish college, um, you know, just keep on running the race for the Lord.
1: So we'll talk about part two here. We'll we're gonna, a couple of things mm-hmm. we're going to cover in part two is about about college. You mentioned college. Yep. You're a Bible college student. I am. You're also a Sunday school teacher, right? Yes. You have your own. You have a Sunday school class at Crosswood Baptist Church. Yes. And so you're leading ladies, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, and we're 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 kind of going towards the end of the first episode, but I just want to cover a couple of things and we're going to go over, but that's just what's going to happen. Okay. So um, you got your kids back.
0: I did. After I did. three years. Yep. It was an incredible, I, I'd always dreamed about it. I always wanted it. I didn't know how it would ever happen. You know, I felt like I had messed up so bad that there was just no way that that could ever be a possibility, you know, um, but God in his grace, he, he, Whenever I called up there after I got out of treatment, um, I called, I called, I was trying to call my daughter Kayla and Freddie answered and, and he said that he was tired and that he needed me to get prepared for the 11 months later school was starting. And he asked me, he said, do you think you could raise the kids? And I'm like, Oh yeah. I mean, I'm just like three days out of treatment, but yeah, I can do it. You know, (laughs) I'll figure it out. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know that God has a plan and uh, he, he guided my steps every step of the way, all the way up to getting my house and having them come, um, which was just such a amazing feat in itself. I would have never dreamed that that, that could happen, you know, um, but it did.
1: Yeah. And so tell us how you got your house.
0: Well, um, amazing, amazing woman named Carolyn was in a Sunday school class that that I now teach, but we were in there together, and uh, she's the cutest old lady. She's probably 75, 80-ish, and um, she was in there, and she'd be like, I don't know why I'm in this class, but I just like to come. And, she uh, is so cool. <laughs> yes, she is, um, and her ministry is helping single moms uh, with houses, and um, one day, I guess I gave her a letter, and because uh, that was something our Sunday school class was doing, and and I was praying for a house, and she said it just felt like God hit her in the gut that, um, you know, she felt like she wanted me to to rent a house from her, and one day I get this phone call, and it said, you know, Hannah, um, I have a house. The day I was supposed to go look for places with Charla, she called me and said that she had a house and how much I could afford a month, and um, whenever I told her, she said it was a three-bedroom, two-bath house, garage, and um, I told her how much, and she said, I'll meet you at your price. And I dropped to my knees because I, I was thinking, like, I'm going to have to get Section 8 somehow. It hasn't came through yet, and my kids might have to share a room. And, oh, man, it was just such a beautiful house. And and uh, God uses her in a, in a great way. Um, you know she'll
1: my, be close to the throne of God yeah she's gonna uh, have such a reward in heaven yeah and she you know no one even knows but I know mm-hmm. who she is yeah she's a giver
0: yeah she she touched my, my life and my, my kids life in such a way um, you know sometimes thank you can't ever be enough
1: yeah um, and you know I was talking about this at the uh, the revival at Crossway and uh the people who've made the biggest impact in my life are all mm-hmm. senior citizens. Yeah. And I don't realize I mean, I don't think people realize that are in that time a time in their life, you know. Mm-hmm. God is preparing us for the next season of our life until we go to heaven. And when they are in that senior age, their ministry isn't over yet. Yeah. And and so I have been impacted more by people in that season of their life than anyone else in my whole entire ministry. Mm-hmm which isn't a lot. I mean, I've only been doing this 10 years, but, um, but that woman, she's going to be blessed by God when she gets to heaven. And so do you ever, do you ever think about, do you ever fear relapse? Do you ever think about what would happen? Has it ever crossed your mind? You know, you've done so good for so long. Like mm-hmm. I used to worry about you and you'd go back to see Freddie and your kids. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And I told you that Yeah. I always say, be careful, you know, don't, Go here, don't go there. Stay off that side of town at night. You remember me having that talk with you, mm-hmm. and so do you ever? Does that ever cross your mind? Like
0: well, we're like, always one dumb step away, and that's what I always want to remember. You know, um, we're I know that Jesus is my cure, and I need to read my Bible every day uh, to get my strength from Him because without Him, I'm weak. Um, you know, and I never want to go back. I never, ever, ever want to it's just the worst possible thing to even think about, you know. I would hate to see what happened to my kids. Right. You know, and the the disappointment in their face. I would I just
1: So how long have you how long have you had your kids? Six years. Six years. Full time. Full time. Yeah. Yep. And so I remember when Freddie came down for the first (laughs) time and visited me. Me and Freddie used to run around together. Yeah. And we, we did cocaine and drank and bar hopped mm-hmm. and stuff when I was crazy and and I was an idiot. But Freddie, uh, I remember when he came to my house and uh, just mm-hmm. trying to look at him and just think, you know, what did what, what does your family think? What does mm-hmm. Freddie think about you right now? I mean, you know, and I know there's, you know, I prayed with Freddie and shared the gospel with him and stuff. Um, but, you know. A lot of them. I'm not saying Freddie. I'm just saying a lot. Freddie is your ex-husband. For people who don't know who I'm talking about, but a lot of a lot of people that have you know good morals and ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't use drugs. They don't commit crime. But they don't know Jesus, right? Yeah. So what about those people? Like, don't you have family members <laughs> that used to, like your mom kept a life insurance policy on you, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she wouldn't let you come to her house because she's afraid you're going to rob her. Mm-hmm. So now you get to go there and spend time with her. And did my, did my wife take you to your grandma in the hospital one time or uh, the nursing home? Or, yeah. Okay, you got a grandma in the nursing home. I did. Yeah. You did, okay. And so, so now, like, you are a new person yeah. who they never thought you would be. So what do they see? How, what do they think about you right now?
0: Well, they, they see me completely different. Um, they, you know, my, a lot of my family's not saved. They, they don't know Jesus. And so it looks strange to them. It looks a little different, you know, and, um, they think that I'm really extreme, but it's not extreme. I, this is the way the Bible says that we are to love Jesus, you know, right. and to be a follower and a Christian. And so, um, and I want them to see, see Jesus in me. Um, and so that's, you know, some of them think I came down and met some really good people. And, uh, and, that's <laughs> and I said really good people don't exist without Jesus.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing I'm, I'm, I'm kind of where I'm yeah. hitting at is, yeah. you know, who do they give the credit to for this? Like, what are they saying mm-hmm. to you? Like, how did you change to them?
0: Well, meeting good people that leads to more good people. And, you know, you do, whenever you're doing good, good things happen. A lot of people believe that, yeah. you know, karma, what goes around you. <laughs> that kind of stuff. But and not Jesus. Not Jesus. Jesus opens up doors that only only God can open. Yeah,
1: okay, awesome. Well, this has been exciting. Uh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And uh, I'm cheering you on to the Lord. I can't wait to see what happens next in your life. Mm, thank you. And so, uh, if you've listened to this and you've enjoyed this, would you share this podcast? As we close, this is one that you really need to share. There's people out there struggling and, Hannah was at the bottom of the barrel, and, and she's God's using her in a mighty way today. And if you've enjoyed our podcast, would you share it? Uh, you can find it on Spotify. You can, find, you can share it on Facebook on our One Broken Life uh, page. If you don't if you don't like that page, would you start liking it for mm-hmm. us? Uh, the more you interact with our with our page, the more people will see it. This is a podcast of Freeway Ministries. Uh, If you would like to donate to Freeway Ministries and help us reach more people like Hannah, you can go to our website at www.freeway-ministries.com. There's a way to give. You can be a one-time giver. You can be a monthly supporter um, as we reach one broken life at a time. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Hannah.
0: Thank you.